This is episode number two o three. How do you create a community with Brian Bashan? Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Outs podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Welcome back to another episode of the Overcoming Outs podcast. Before we get into today's topic and theme of what it means to create a community and what does that topic even look like in your life, I wanted to make a few quick announcements. The first one being an invitation to all of our listeners to our upcoming event called Survive to Thrive, an Attitude of Gratitude. This will be an experience, I believe, in the March of May, the 7th and the 21st where we'll be hosting about four to five hour experience with three to four speakers each time, breaking down what it means to be grateful and what does gratitude look like for you. The second thing that I wanted to make is if you have listened to any of the previous episodes and enjoy our show, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google. And one last thing is more of a disclaimer, if anything, And that is, after living in Austin for about four to five years, I have realized that allergies and I do not have the closest relationship. And so right now, especially today, it is a complicated one. So if you hear any sniffling or coughing in the background, once again, I apologize in advance. And with that said, I'd like to bring up our guest. His name is Brian, with whom I'll be having a conversation around what it means to create a community. Ryan. Hello. Oleg, so nice to see you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being a part of it. And thank you for choosing to be a part of my community, I guess. It's a real pleasure. And I hope that uh, you're feeling well enough. Uh, I'm glad you're uh, surviving the sniffles uh, <laughs> there in Austin, Texas. I'm kind of jealous that you're having that problem here in Canada. It's quite cold. So I look forward to the day when the seasons make us have the sniffles again. Yeah. Do you have allergies? Uh, not really, not really. I'm pretty, I'm pretty grateful that I that I don't. Uh, usually, when the seasons change, I kind of go and I remain pretty healthy. Yeah, I wonder how. Like, I've been curious about this for a while. Like, how do they develop? You know, certain because it seems that certain people have it and others mm-hmm. don't. Like my dad and I have them, and every single time the season changes, him and I have the hardest time even mm-hmm. like moving from room to room (laughs) without having, you know, this, I think it's more for me, it's like an internal feeling that I experience where the energy gets down. And so I have to take all these things to um, boost the immune system and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. cope with the environment. It's tough. Well, you're just one of the lucky chosen ones. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only way to look at it. Um, But I'm glad that we're able to connect and I'm glad that we're able to have this conversation around Mm -hmm. what it means to create a community and how do you 
how do you even create one to begin with? And I think the best way that we can maybe approach this is through the lens of your own personal experience. And mm -hmm. that is, how do you even know that you are part of a community? Mm -hmm. Is it a feeling? Is it intuition? Is it something more than that? And then the other thing is, how do you get comfortable with the concept that the community is going to evolve? Mm -hmm. So whoever was in your community a month ago, a year ago, five years ago, may not be the same people in your community today. Yeah, great. And you're using a word that I love, evolve. So uh, I get the name after my own company, evolution, evolution. So I would say, you know, for me, I'll just start with my own personal experience about community. And that's why it's something I, I really am passionate about and really thinking a lot uh, about these days. You know, I, you know, had been a, a priest actually for, for eight years and four of those years, I served in a parish and that is a community, you know, I mean, you're there with people at all different moments. And so for me, you know, community has evolved after I decided to leave being a priest and moved on into New York and different places. Community for me is a sense of, it is intuitive, but it's a sense of a feeling of, you know, you're in the right spot. You know, you're just, you're connecting with individuals that have the same mindset, the same, the same values, sometimes the same desires. But I think it's also a reality to realize that your community changes because you change and you evolve. So some of the communities I've been part of in the past, they served at a time when I needed it then, but now I'm in a different place and there's a different community that I am developing and being part of. So I think that's important that oftentimes when people say, I don't feel like I belong anymore. It's not so much that the community's changed, it's that we've changed in what we desire to go forward on. Do you then approach it through the lens of not trying to get too attached to some of the groups that you're a part of and more so focusing on self while knowing that the people that are surrounding you now will also change because you're changing? Yeah, so I can only speak from my own experience that, you know, I never went into when I was part of a community, whatever whatever that might be, whether a community can be, you know, uh, an organization that we belong to, it can be an athletic club, it can be like a meditation studio you belong to. So I never went in with reservation because I think if you go in with a sense of reservation that I'm going to put a boundary up, I don't want to get too close because I know in time I'm going to move forward or they're going to move forward. I think that holds us back. So for me, I always went in very open uh, to the community and the people because that really, when you do that, it feeds you, it helps you grow. It may be for a short time, it could be for a longer time. But that's definitely been the way it's been for me. And I think one of the gifts has been if I move on from one community or an organization to another, mm -hmm. oftentimes some of those relationships also will continue on as well in different ways. And mm -hmm. it's, it's very beneficial. What have been your personal challenges of forming a community to begin with as early as you can remember? Yeah, I think it's, you know, the number one thing is, just feeling comfortable in yourself. I just think back to when you're, when we're all kids, right? Like when you go to school, you know, it's like, it's recess, right? So you go out to play at recess and like, there's many communities. So there's like the kids that are playing like 
on the swing sets is kids that are playing games and it's where do you belong? And so I think for me, it was always a sense of really just being honest about where do I want to be? What little community do I, I want to be part of and know that I bring value? I think that's one of the first things you learn is like, where do you bring value? And the second part is one of the biggest things I learned is that to, to be part of a community is oftentimes you have to invite others to join you. Mm. And that personal invitation to invite someone to say, hey, would you like to do this? Or I'm going to this. That's powerful. And, and that creates a community as well. That takes me back to way in the, probably middle school days. I remember the same exact thing, being able to step onto the playground. And then you see all these different pockets. Mm-hmm. And I remember there were kids that would play on the swings and there were kids that would play chess and had nothing to do with any sort of athletic activities or sports mm-hmm. or anything like that. And I realized just based from my own experience that there were times in different chapters of my life, I was able to relate one and not the other. And then I kind of transitioned between mm-hmm. different groups. You know, and I think the same thing that repeated itself in high school. The other thing that I've learned throughout my own personal experience is that part of the community aspect. So I believe it's possible to be part of a community without being fully accepted in that community. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was younger, one of the things that stood out to me was that there were certain groups that I felt that I was a part of Mm -hmm. in order to be able to fit in. Mm -hmm. Because if I wasn't a part of them, then I was a part of nobody Mm -hmm. or no community, no group. That's Mm -hmm. how I was understanding it. Mm -hmm. And that was going to be one of my questions to you is, do you think it's possible to be a part of a community without necessarily having that sense of belonging and acceptance to begin with? Yeah, and I think I think people do. I think there are many people that belong to a community. Uh, it could be a community of friends. It could be a community of organization, and they don't have a sense of their self is really having that value. Absolutely, and I think you see that, and people speak about that. And sometimes the question really is, why do you stay? Why do you stay? Or yeah. Why does someone stay? And it's usually because a sense of, well, what are others going to think of me if I'm not part of it? Um, or it's a sense of, I need to be here because I think it's going to help me to be able to move forward in other directions. And so what happens though, is there becomes a sense of not being authentic to yourself in those moments. And it really can hold back. So absolutely. And I think one of the things about the pandemic, definitely in the past year has been to show every single human being who is our community. Who are the relationships that are really nurturing us and redefining that in a new way? We're kind of in this evolution of moving into defining new community. Mm -hmm. Did you ever experience this component within your own journey of trying to understand like, what's the value here? Am I just trying to fit in? And if so, how did you transition out of that? Yeah, I think, you know, so one of the things is, you know, for example, like when I decided to leave, you know, being a priest, to leave that aspect. It was a life that was beautiful and joyful and and wonderful. But it was a sense that I knew within me that I wanted to find value and I wanted to live my life authentically in a new way. And really the hard part was a sense of feeling, am I going to let people down? And I think so many of people who are watching now can 
we can all have those experiences of saying, are we going to disappoint others? And I certainly had that as well. Am I disappointing family? Am I disappointing friends? And, you know, that is something we have to work through. I know I certainly did to be able to make that move to go in that direction. And, and that is something that, you know, I think once you do it in your life, it becomes easier to, to move forward. But absolutely, I think that's part of the human growth and deepening in who we are is knowing how to be able to move forward when we know it's the right thing, even though it might be challenging. How do you do that? How do you deal with other people's expectations when it comes to things like this? Because if there's anything that I've learned throughout my own life is that my uncle once made this joke. He said, opinions are like a fill in the blank. Everyone has one, right? And I think everyone has an opinion, in my opinion, when it comes to what you should be doing in life mm -hmm. based on their own, their own personal experiences. And I think for me, that's been kind of an ongoing journey, understanding that whatever the individual chooses to say is only based on their own experience and their own perspective. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be the ultimate truth or the direction that you choose to go in. You know, for example, when you left a particular career, I'm sure some of the things that you've heard were, A, either why are you doing it mm -hmm. or what's next? And in that time of transition of moving to the next thing, I've experienced that there is an element where it's, you know, it's kind of, um, it's a lonely ride because mm -hmm. you don't know when the next opportunity is going to present itself. You don't know what mm -hmm. it's going to be like, but yet there's all this external pressure from mm -hmm. other people for you to be X, Y, and Z and to figure it out fast. Mm -hmm. Knowing what you know now, like how do you deal with other people's expectations of what you should be in life? Yeah. I mean, that's a great topic. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's easier said than done. You know, yeah. when people will say things, oh, don't worry about what other people think. Really? Then <laughs> why are so many people on Instagram going, oh, I have, you know, a thousand more followers. I'm at this. I got, I had so many likes. Really? People really do spend time looking at what others think. We all fall into that, myself included. But I think the really key aspect, and I said this uh in an interview that I did in the fall. And I really stand by these words really with my whole being is, you know, when you stand in your truth and you brace within your heart, then you're free to do what you need to do. And I think that's where a lot of people, you know, get confused because, okay, I'm not going to pay attention to the opinions. And even if they make the decision, they still worry. What are people thinking? Did I make the right decision? Self-doubt. But when you really embrace that in your heart, you are freely choosing what you know is the right thing to do. That's when you can move forward. And even when people say things, you know, that, you know, why are you doing this? You know, that could cause self-doubt. You just know in your being that you're still in the right decision. And I think that's the difference. You have to know and embrace fully within your heart that you know it's the right decision. If not, you spend your whole life looking for other, everyone else's opinion. And everyone else's endorsement, oh, you're doing the right thing, or you're doing the right thing. So mm -hmm. I think that's really one of the biggest things that really sets apart. And I think that's a great point to also make and to understand is that it's not necessarily, it sounds like you're not caring about what other people are saying. Because that's one of the things I've realized is that I don't know if that's even possible. Mm -hmm. Not care. It's more so what am I choosing to do with that? 
right? Mm -hmm. How am I choosing to look at that feedback or criticism or whatever it looks like? So it's not necessarily that I don't care mm -hmm. what other people are saying because I genuinely do care about what they're saying, but it is more about what am I choosing to do with it, right? Yeah, and I think, you know, the thing is, of course we care, right? Because some of the people that will give you some of those, you know, feedback are sometimes individuals you love. Yeah. You value very much. So, you, of course, we care about that. But at the same time, we also have to realize that that issue is on them. So, you know, if they're challenging your decision, it may be triggering something inside of them that's, you know, an expectation they placed on you that they, they, they don't want to change. So you can care and be loving and even, even say, well, I know this may be difficult. This decision I'm sure is difficult for you and it's going to take time for you to process. Um, but I, I really hope you can always ask me questions and I, I'm always here. And, but a lot of times people have to do their own work and, and we have to realize that. Do you think oftentimes those situations are just reflections of the person, of the people themselves? So for example, if I'm telling you that you can't do a certain thing, or I don't feel comfortable with you leaving a job and, and trying to use this time of transition to find a new opportunity, do you think those situations reflect internally what I might be feeling? I do oftentimes. Yeah, definitely. You know, because everyone comes from a different mindset. So for example, I spoke with uh, someone today that uh, has decided to step away from a very big position that they had. And, you know, they are really saying, you know, I'm giving myself six months. I'm giving myself six months to be and to figure out really where I'm feeling drawn to, to go to next. And they said, but there's been interesting that certain people have kind of said, well, why aren't you moving forward? You know, you have so much talent. Why are you waiting? And a lot of times it is individuals, you know, and you just have to recognize that's where they're at. And I think, you know, we, we have to be comfortable. And again, it goes back to that statement of when you stand, you know, in your truth that this is the right decision for me respect what people are saying, but we can't let it create doubt in us so much that we're afraid to continue being where we're at. We yeah. have to be strong. And become your own reality. Absolutely. I think Napoleon Hill said that best. He said, um, don't let other people's opinions become your reality. Mm -hmm. I think yeah, if not, choice, it's key. Yeah, ex exactly. If not, you're living their life. If yeah. not, you're living everyone else's life, but except your own life. If you're always looking for approval and you're always looking for what their opinion said, you're always, you're really living their life still. Mm -hmm. I'm not staying firm. Was there a time in your life where you lived without a community? Yeah, I think, you know, the biggest time I lived without a community was when I transitioned my life to uh, New York City which is where I went after I, you know, became, uh, after I left the priesthood and I entered into kind of the executive world, that was a big moment of transition. And it took time to find my place, you know, and that was just a unique moment of kind of finding my own identity. I had a community at work, but I quickly realized that the work environment isn't like the, your immediate community, you know, and it's a very different dynamic. So it took time to find some people that were aligned on, on some things that I really, really was interested in. And I also, you know, 
put myself out there in the sense of being open to uh, different communities and organizations and really seeing how that set. And I think, you know, that's something that really helps lead us and guide us to where we need to be. I think that's such an interesting point that you make in regard to the whole work community, because I've experienced the same exact thing. Mm -hmm. I, I think there are different layers to the community component. And mm -hmm. so the conversations I'm going to have with people who relate to my work may not be the same conversations that I have with people who are my quote unquote closest friends. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. that's okay. You know, I think there is a time and place for every single person or every single group that comes into my life. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, for myself, one thing that I've always kind of learned and that you really will know who your true friends are from the workplace when you leave that job. That's when you really will know they are your friends. And the reason is because you may think at work, oh, you know, Mary's such a great friend and Joel's a great friend and we work on these projects and we go to lunch. However, once there is a challenge at work or there's something that's not delivered or sometimes if someone gets promoted and that changes kind of kind of the layering of where things are at, those relationships can change quite quickly. Mm. So my belief in the way I always worked at work was being authentic, truly being who you are at work, being friendly, but realizing that the real depth of a friendship probably will take place more after you leave when there are not conflicting opportunities. What do you value in a friendship? Mm. I think one of the first things I really value in a friendship is someone that can make me feel truly authentic in who I am. That when I'm with someone that I can truly be myself. I'm sure we've all had those experiences when you're speaking with someone. Yeah. You feel like there's a part of you that holds back. And for me, what I value in a friendship is when I can be Brian, when I can, you know, share my joy, when I can share about who I am, when I bring my energy, my humor, my life. That is probably one of the most important aspects. The second thing that I really value in a friendship is a friendship that is just, you know, one that isn't needy. And what I mean by that is I have some wonderful, beautiful friends for years that we may not speak all the time, but when we connect, it's like we spoke five minutes ago, as opposed to individuals that, you know, can send you messages. Oh, I haven't heard from you. Or, you know, you always have to be the one that initiates, you know, the conversation, those things that those things show me, I'm like, mm, is this one sided? Is this a one sided relationship? But friendships that you can pick right up, that there's not a sense you have to apologize, that you haven't been in communication, that they know who you are and you can truly be who you are in that moment. I feel like I'm definitely in the second boat when it, when it comes to many of the friendships that I experience. And I think part of the reason why I even mentioned that is one of the things that I've learned throughout my own journey is this whole concept, I'll call you later, I think it's a never-ending story. Mm -hmm. At least that's what my experience has taught me. It's the same exact thing as I'll do this tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow comes and I, I'll say the same exact thing. And so slowly it turns into a week, a month, a year down the road to a point where it actually doesn't even get done or doesn't get touched. And I think the friendship for me, what's been important to establish is frequency. Mm -hmm. 
mm -hmm. know, whether it's meeting weekly, monthly, I once a year, whatever the time is. But I figured that in situations where I didn't establish a form of frequency, mm -hmm. those friendships didn't end up lasting. Yeah, and you have to be you have to be committed to it. You know, yeah. you, you have to be committed to it. And that's personally or professional, you know, as well. I mean, I always get a kick out of like on LinkedIn, which, you know, obviously both of us spend a lot of time there. And, yeah. and it's a wonderful community and it's great. And I've built incredible, beautiful relationships through LinkedIn. But, you know, it's I always find it amazing when you connect with someone with LinkedIn. I usually send a, a personalized voice note after connecting just to say, welcome to my network. Great to be connected. I extend an invite to have just an intro call. And I always say, and I'm not here to sell you anything because I find it amazing how many people connect. And then immediately you get a, oh, yeah. a message from them. Here's about my company, my <laughs> website, and I have this, and you can sign up now and get in a master class with this. And I'm like, okay, that's just, that's just wrong. Like that's just so wrong. And so that's why for me in building community, even online, it's really to be authentic. It's about connecting with people that really want to connect authentically in their business. And yeah, we're all here to grow business and make contacts, but there's a way to do it that really yeah. changes it. I'm in the same exact position. Sometimes when I connect with people, the very first thing I'll get is seems to be like the manuscript to a book. Yes. You know, yeah. here are all the things that I do. And if you want, schedule a call. Here's the website. And that I, the other thing that I find interesting is that if I don't respond, I'll get a follow-up message saying, have you read the message or <laughs> yes. would you like to proceed? And it's an interesting situation for me to be in. And here's why. Not necessarily as anything to blame, because I think to a degree I've been there. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was first starting with the whole LinkedIn platform and many of these other channels, I bet that one of the ways that I connected was probably through a similar approach. Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't mm -hmm. have a book or all these coaching programs or anything right. to be able to advertise, but I'm sure that there have been times where I sent people, you know, messages that appeared to be spam-like or sales-like because sure. I didn't understand how to connect. Mm -hmm. and I think it was only over time and through other relationships that I was able to understand, okay, this is what connection looks like. And yeah. not everyone who's out there needs to be your client. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And to make it warm, like, you know what I mean? I think yeah. you know, there's something about a warm touch, you know what I mean? That even if it's a brief message, um, really can set you apart. And yeah, we, we've all learned, you know, I remember being in New York and probably was very aggressive, you know, in some sense of how I followed up with clients and things. And, and, you know, cause that's how things were being done in many ways, but that's not always the best approach. Like truly being authentic and warm and human is really what will draw people in. Where did you learn this approach though? Where did you learn the approach of choosing to connect with them, send them a message and not have it be a sales pitch or link to your website or coaching or books or whatever else, but more so a message that kind of embraces them and accepts them for who they are? Like, was there a particular person in your life that did that to you that made you realize that, oh, this is what connecting actually feels like? You know, I have to say, the number one person that showed me about how to make beautiful, authentic, 
connections was my father. Mm. My father was probably the greatest person I've ever have ever seen in my life at that. Uh, my dad was a self-made man. He ended his career as president and CEO of a big bank uh, in Boston. And, and he was all about connecting with human beings. And I just remember being with my father, leaving the bank once. I had gone in to see him and the custodian was out uh, in the lobby. The bank was closed. It was late. I was walking out with him and he just went up. He knew his name. He made a joke. He was, you know, he knew about the, the custodian's dog, how to do that. I also saw my father, how he connected uh, with individuals uh, when we were out and from his meetings. And he kind of, you know, instilled that in me and about always being sincere. He said, even if it's business, when you connect from you connect from the heart, yeah. that will always lead to even more business. And and that is really how I have approached that. And and that's really how I approach living my life, connecting with individuals and my clients and who I am. We need that. And that's what's missing right now. You know, recently I heard someone say with all the technology out there, we're yeah. more connected than ever, but we're so disconnected. Yeah. And I think it's really about, you know, taking that approach. So I owe that to my father, who is the greatest example to me on that. I think the resources are without a doubt there, even having the capabilities such as this to be able to communicate literally halfway across the country. Right. But I also think that with it comes a responsibility and understanding how do you connect? Yes. What does that look like? And what is the responsibility that not only the two of us carry, but mm -hmm. you individually and myself individually? Mm -hmm. You know, how do we create a space like this where we can fully embrace who we are without judgment, without any expectations, and really let let it be for what it's meant to be? And I think part of that, and, and it sounds like in your own story of sharing the experience with your father, it also sounds like that there's a mindset of being optimistic about life mm -hmm. and just mm -hmm. understanding that like after a while, things will work out, right? You know, I love that you say that. My dad really was one of the most optimistic human beings. He was very, you know, data-driven in many ways. Like, you know, he liked knowing numbers and knowing facts. But my father, one, one of the greatest lessons he taught me, and it applies to community. I remember as a kid, I was all worked up about something. I don't remember what it was, but I was like a mess. I was all upset. And my father looked at me and said, you know, sometimes these things just resolve themselves on their own. And just be open to what may happen. And just, but don't force things right now. And I have to say, it's so true that, you know, if we sometimes remain open, things do resolve, but we step back and we see creative possibilities, we see a newness, we see a new way to go about it. And it really is powerful. And I think it's something that it frees us. It really frees us uh, to be more focused, to be more present, and to embrace something that we probably would not normally be open to. Yeah. Brian, obviously you and I can have a conversation for the next however many hours, but out of the respect to many of our listeners as well as your time, what are some of the best ways that people can connect with you to learn more about your work, who you are, and do you have anything that's coming up that people can be a part of? Sure. So first of all, I love connecting with people on LinkedIn. So please send a note. 
uh, send a note uh, when you when you reach out that you you know you saw me here and through this great uh, conversation with Oleg. Uh, that's one of the biggest social media platforms I spend the most time on. They can also connect to me through uh, my website, which is www.evolutionevolution.com, or send me a direct email at just simply Brian, B R I A N, at evolutionevolution.com. And uh, coming up soon, there will be an um, international coaching federation. I've been asked to speak and do present at. It would be in later February. I'll be announcing that on uh, on LinkedIn as well. It's about a method I created called Start, and it's uh, a way to evaluate your kind of your professional growth and also your personal growth because there really is no separation. When they're aligned, it's even more powerful. Yeah. So that will be coming up in February and, and some other times. So uh, stay tuned on the posts, uh, and I look forward to hearing from people. Awesome. And we'll make sure to include all the different links in different ways that people can connect with you and learn more about your work moving forward. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, please consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening, and we look forward to having you next week.